Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 90 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I have Gwen back to talk about another important topic of grief. That topic is the way that we can find meaning or purpose in our grief. I'll leave the introduction brief today and just explain more as we start. Welcome to another episode here of the Always Andy's Mom podcast. I have Gwen with me again. Thank you. I love having Gwen. So today we decided to celebrate the beginning of summer. We are going to have a really encouraging kind of topic today. So this topic is on meaning making or post-traumatic growth or purpose or however Mm -hmm. you want to think of it. But it's really the encouraging side of what can go on as you go through your grief journey. So I'm excited to hear what Gwen has Mm -hmm. to say about that. It's been a topic I've been wanting to cover for a while, and we've talked about covering it for a while. It's been on our list for quite a while. Yeah, and then I started getting some lists from people. So keep sending in those topic ideas. We will definitely Mm -hmm. cover those. But then this one just seemed like... Such a nice way to kind of launch off the summer, yeah. really. Yes, very much so. So as our now our tradition of two episodes, we are starting with a little story that someone emailed to me, and I'm really excited to tell this one. So this was submitted by Kim, and she wrote to me this story. Since my daughter Courtney, my grandson Liam, and son-in-law Daryl, died in an automobile accident on February 1st, God has allowed me to see many signs from heaven. Let's start with a little background on the red bird. It is significant to my family. When my grandmother passed away in August of 2018, I was heartbroken. A few days after her funeral, a red bird started pecking on the living room window, driving our small dog crazy. At first, I paid little attention to the bird, But that seemed to make the bird mad, so it would follow me to the window in the kitchen and peck until I looked at it. This happened for a few months, and the bird left. My husband, my daughter, and myself would laugh and say, Mama is just checking in on us, making sure we are okay. The little bird brought me comfort in my time of sorrow. A few days after Courtney, Liam, and Daryl's funeral, my neighbor called not knowing of the visits from the red bird when my grandmother died, to tell me to look outside that the yard was full of birds. Three little red birds were in the middle of the yard full of birds. I cried for hours. Mm. My heart needed that sign from heaven that my babies were okay. A few weeks ago, my husband Brad took the day off to go fishing at our family pond. He always wanted to take Liam on his first fishing trip this summer, just the two of them. Brad said he was fishing, 
heard a noise behind him and turned around several times and saw nothing. The noise was persistent until he saw the tiniest red bird he had ever seen on a tree limb. The little bird followed him everywhere he went around the pond for at least 45 minutes. He heard another noise, turned to see a big red bird land on the limb beside the little one. Then the two birds stayed a few minutes, and they both flew away. My husband got to take his grandson fishing for the first time. The red birds continue to show a presence in my yard almost daily. The birds are not always together. Most of the time, it is just one bird. I, I choose to believe it's my little girl checking on her mom. My heart is broken, and I cannot imagine spending the future without my babies. In a small way, the red birds bring me some peace on the days I cannot catch my breath. Mm, that's beautiful. Isn't it? Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. What a gift. Mm-hmm. Because she's going through such pain yeah. and horribleness, but to just have those mm-hmm. little red birds, you yeah. know. And what's funny, too, is that I read that email. I got that email sent to me a few days ago, and I started to write her back, and then I looked at the my phone and saw the time and thought, oh, I need to go pick up my son. So I stopped the email. I got in the car. And I am literally three houses down, and something catches my eye. And I look, and there's a red cardinal. Oh, <laughs> that's neat. Right, just out the right, yeah. right, right passenger window. And like, They're like, finish that oh, email. Let's, I don't know if that's God reminding me, don't forget the email because right. you promised. And mm-hmm. But to see that bright red cardinal yeah. at that moment was really cool as well and made that's me neat. smile a little bit. It's like yeah. God not only is sending her the red birds, but... God knew that she sent the story to me just at that time right. to see the cardinal. That's so, so neat. Oh, beautiful. Yes. So anyway, I think yeah. that's an, just a way to smile to kind of get us mm-hmm. started a right. little bit today. Yeah. Very much so. Mm-hmm. I think I like the word you used about comfort. You use that word because sometimes people think that maybe those things can be alarming or make us uneasy and you might I'm thinking of bereaved people who might not have something as clear as you know a a bird (laughs) right you know surrounding their yard or pecking at the window or fishing with them but I think to look at what brings them comfort Mm -hmm. yeah and that could be their person just wrapping them up kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, we have something we've done at Starlight, that poem sometimes. And it's like sometimes memories are like rainstorms, relentless in their downpour. And sometimes it says they're like a warm blanket that just wrap you up and comfort you. And I think about, you yeah. know, just. Well, and you're absolutely right, because there are other times when some of those things can just bring you down, right? right? And yeah. bring, make the grief so, so heavy. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that certain instances, yeah, they that can, we get it, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, that they can bring you up. So, yeah. well, today's message or talk is, you know, you mentioned meaning making and post traumatic growth. Those are words used in, you know, the psychology world and diagnosing and just kind of putting labels and names to things that happen. And you and I've talked about it. The fact that uh, my theory is God's been doing that for a long time before there were those labels on it of making something new, mm-hmm. but 
the definition of those words, it translates to meaning or purpose. And you use mm-hmm. those words in the intro, but it's a process of how people understand or make sense of life events, relationships, those sorts of things, or even themselves. So that transformation following trauma, what's going to come of this, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So today we're going to focus on that. But I think before we do, we have to state that there's a lot of stuff that comes before that. A lot. Right. And and I have to say too, when you're really early in your grief, at least for me, and I think other people as well, you don't want right. anything good to come of it. Yes. And even the idea of something good coming of it just makes you mad. Right. I mean, I even think of the the grief series that you do on yeah. Grief Guide. You know, you've got the 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 work, the wound, the wound, the, 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 wound, work, the work, the wonder. wonder. Yeah. I was only thinking yeah. work and wonder. I was forgetting the wound. Yeah. The wound, the work, the wonder. And you get to the wonder and that was like the good thing. And for a while, I didn't even want to go there yet. Right. Yeah. Because I thought, I, I really want to focus on the work, wound for sure. I want to focus on the work, but the wonder... That I'm just not there yet. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I just don't want to see, in some ways, a good come out of right. this horribleness. Yeah. I, it's just horrible. Right. And that's just what it is. And mm-hmm. it has to just stay all horrible. Right. <laughs> but for a while, after a while, I think as you do the work, mm-hmm. you realize that you can have some wonder. Right. And that doesn't make the death any less right. horrible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Does not make it yep. less horrible at we all. We can still honor that and have that, but then also have the growth. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So I that's a thing that I want to really kind of start with. Right. And so if you feel like I don't want to see any good from this yet, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. I still think, listen anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because no. at some point in time probably as much as you can't believe it right now it will change yeah. and you will realize that despite the horribleness some good can happen right or you know and not just good i the word growth like i'm different i'm better you know when right um the jewish rabbi who wrote the book when bad things happen to good people i mean that was the gist that he learned is that i'm a far better rabbi i'm stronger i'm more sure of my ability to cope i have all these things but I would take my son back in a yes, moment right. to have that. So it's not, and we'll talk about it, not that every person is going to grow into having a, a ministry, a podcast, a no. movement, a law changed. It's just simply even knowing that inside of themselves, they're different. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you can be a little bit of a better person. Right. And that's okay. And that's yeah. awesome, really. I mean. Right. Well, I, years ago... A pastor that in the church we were going to came up to me and said, Gwen, would you do a segment, a six-week series on divorce? And I thought, I don't know anything about divorce. So he gave me a couple of books on divorce. And one of them, and it's out of print now, and I should look again. I don't know if books ever come back into print. <laughs> yeah. But it was called Growing Through Divorce. And the whole concept was people can go through a divorce or grow through it. And mm-hmm. it really acknowledged the pain of the marriage but then the growth. And I really enjoyed that. And I gave it away about 13 years ago to someone going through a divorce and I never got it back. And I just missed the book because now it's out of print. But, you know, we go through things, but we can also grow Mm -hmm. through them. Mm -hmm. And the grief is a big way that we can grow through our grief. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that transformation, one of the things I did a presentation once, kind of a spinoff of HGTV. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, because I, I had had surgery and I was for the first time watching HGTV. Okay. And my first day in, 13 hours, I watched it straight. From one show to the next, I was just so new to it. And for some of our international listeners, oh, yes. you might have no idea what HGTV True. is. Because if we do have a good number of those, it primarily does like home improvement yep, kind it, of thing. So they will come into your house and completely redo yes. it. and Or you're going shopping for a new house. Or it's it's a lot about yes. decorating things and, and making it new and making it. Yes. yes. And making it like amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I took those words. It stands for like home and garden TV, I, yeah, think, I think is so. what HGTV mm-hmm. is. So then I took that and did a presentation called How God Transforms Victoriously. So God does those kinds of things. So I just had a few of my notes with me today. And I talked about the fact that the specs are the things that they go in and get the details about the Mm -hmm, house, right? mm -hmm, You know, what its value is in the neighborhood, what happened, what damage there might be and looking at the specs. And then the next thing they move into is the demo day, Mm -hmm. right? That tear down, that complete raw problems are exposed you know, all of a sudden the plumbing, the bad foundation. And this always happens on the show. Always yes. there are some <laughs> mysterious, horrible things that happen. Oh my goodness, we're going to have to replace the electrical in the entire house right. or something like that. The foundation is bad. Yep. Something has to be done. Right. So yeah. So those are the very real raw exposure to the painful things. And what we just mentioned is a lot of our viewers are in that. They're mm-hmm. they're not looking at the rebuild. They are totally in Mm-hmm. demo day mm-hmm. mode yep and then it kind of moves on to an all-in budget when they ask what's it going to take to get this home restored every show right they talk about the budget what yep. do we have and they have to make decisions based on what their financial constraints are and I kind of compare that to what is it going to take for mm-hmm. me to rebuild from this yeah when yeah. we're at the point that we can do that right like what is that and I think to answer that right now for bereaved people, oftentimes what it's going to take is all the strength you have, right? (laughs) I mean, that survival takes every bit of strength. But then to choose to grow says, I'm going to keep pouring into myself and I'm going to take and eat well, exercise, do the things I can control, but I'm going to pour into me. Yeah. And, and it does seem oftentimes that grief is very inward and turns us kind of self-focused. Mm-hmm. But all growth does, really. If someone's making a major life change, they're focused on themselves, whether it's their eating, their jogging, if you quit smoking. It is all about the best decisions for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing, I think, yeah. to think about and to accept. Mm-hmm. Especially, I think, when you're grieving as a family and... Uh, you're a parent and you feel like I need to just focus on everybody else Yes, and I need to focus on the other kids and I need to do this and you kind of let yourself fall apart. I think you don't get the growth that you need and you have to think a little more selfishly. Yes, I mean, again, it goes back to that when you're on an airplane and what do you have to do? You have to put on your own oxygen mask before you can put on absolutely help the children around you so that you can actually be okay enough to help them. It's interesting. I was with a bereaved person who has a very uniformed job. Like there are some things they wear a uniform. They have strict rules on their job and she's a bereaved mom. And 
I listen to her and she puts on that uniform and does that job. But then when she comes home, the uniform she puts on is that mom uniform. Like you mentioned that taking care of her family and making sure they're okay. Because she has children. Her son was the oldest and he died at age 14. So as I was talking to her, I had that same thing of when does she not have to wear a uniform? That's yeah. how I kind of looked at that. So I challenged her. I said, when, when is the you time in your whole week? She didn't have any. So we're starting small. I mm-hmm. said 30 minutes a week. That's all I'm asking. 30 minutes of a week that you don't wear any uniform. You do not show up to duty and you just do what you need to do. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about that and I, I bet she's too scared to <laughs> yeah, take off the there, uniform. There could be. Really? I mean, that's what I think about. It's yeah. scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary to take off all of those hats and just have to focus on you. Yeah. I mean, I have talked to moms before that, and dads actually, almost mm-hmm. more the dad, that I recently, I can think of one in my head that he said, I just have been so afraid that if I started crying, I, I will never stop. stop. I hear that all the time. Yes. So he, so that's why he didn't let himself have the me time because he was so terrified it would be so completely overwhelming in his life that he will be able mm-hmm. to do nothing else. Yeah. And like, what if I start crying to the point where now I can't go to work mm-hmm. or now I can't take care of my wife and my kids and all of this stuff because I have these roles. I have this role of having to take care of this and this and this and this. And if I fall apart, it's all done. And so the fear gets so much that they won't let it open up. But that's exhausting. Oh, it is. And and we've said this before. I mean, grief waits on the welcome. So we need to turn into that. And what I tell people is, you know more than I do in this, but I've never seen a death certificate that says cause of death is crying, you know, until no. they die. It, no. it is not a fatal experience, although it feels like it's going to be. But what we know is that when we do it, we feel less burdened. Mm-hmm. And the more we do that, then the me time doesn't have to be spent in deep, deep mourning. It can be spent in refueling. Mm-hmm re-energizing right and I think you know those first few times might feel just devastating and like you've fallen apart and exhausting but eventually it Mm -hmm. will stop it won't take over to the point that you're not going to be able to go back to work or whatever Mm -hmm. I mean it will go away and usually when it does I mean I've had those days Certainly. Yeah. I think we all have had, as bereaved parents, have those days where you just like, I just cried today. It's just mm-hmm. like a really horrible yep. day and it just, everything just gets out. And it does it, at the time seem so bad, but when you're done, there is a bit of a weight mm-hmm. that's lifted Yeah, because some of that pressure that you felt in yourself has been released. Mm-hmm. So when the pressure is gone, like it, you feel empty for a while, mm-hmm. no doubt. Yeah. But in some ways, I think I'd rather feel a little empty for a while than feeling so full and under so much pressure oh. that I'm going to explode. Yeah, the tension. Yes. yes. But that's how a lot of bereaved people live, just trying to keep faster and faster and one step uh-huh. ahead of uh-huh. that uh-huh. ball of pain. And so it... We've said this before, it does take a lot of bravery to look at that. But I think when you think of the concept of what is it going to take for me to do the work of grief and to be all in um, looking at the new growth, it's going to take some bravery. Mm -hmm. And I love how you told that mom, 
I need you to take 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm asking yeah. you to promise. And that's me not that much. Because it's not that much time. And honestly, you can set that timer on your phone mm-hmm. for 30 minutes and go, okay, I'm giving, I'm doing 30 minutes and I am only working on my grief yeah. for those 30 minutes. And at the end of the 30 minutes, I'm going to get back up. Yeah. And we're going to go on with the mm-hmm. day. Because if you give yourself a little bit of a time limit like that, I don't think it feels as overwhelming. No. Mm-hmm. Because it has, you know, somewhat of that, you mentioned the time limit. or the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. the closure. And, you know, for some people, uh, it could identify as being outside. Some people, it's the comfort of their covers, the bed, the, sh- you know, laying in the bathtub. It can look so many different ways. Um, so it doesn't have to be a set. You know, I do know some people who actually take a picture, light a candle and look at their person and talk to them. And that's kind of their set grieving time. I do know mm-hmm. people who do that. But, but it I, doesn't have to be no, like that. No, either. not at all. I, I guess for me, I'm just thinking back personally, I've said so many times that I have was able to return to work and return to a lot more normalcy and having my patients kind of see me as regular old yeah. Dr. Larson. Mm-hmm. Once I gave Tuesdays and Fridays my day off to the podcast, because in my head, I was like, those are my grieving days. Right. Those are my days that I'm going to grieve. And, and initially, honestly, it was probably most of Tuesday mm-hmm. and most of Friday, right? That yeah, I was doing right. that. Anymore, it's not. It's just I know those are my grieving days, but those aren't. I don't focus a hundred percent on the podcast on right. those days. I don't. I don't need two full days. Right. You know, it may also be why recently I I even hired an editor to do some of my editing to help me out. So it's not. It doesn't take quite as much time because it was feeling overwhelming at the beginning. I needed to do every part of it. Right. Because I needed to feel like this is my grief time. And if in my grief time, I'm listening to someone else's story and doing some editing or doing writing, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what I was doing because I was doing it with Andy and it was my grief right. time. I didn't have to be thinking just about Andy. Mm-hmm. I could definitely be thinking about other families. And that's still what I do. I just don't need to do it in quite as much right. time as right. I used to. Right. Well, and... You and I talked this week, so I know on Tuesday, and I'm looking at your beautiful hair that you went and got your hair done this week. I did. I did. So it's all also that kind of self-care. I have some time. So your whole day isn't now focused on grief. It's also focused on what's good for Mercy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do get my hair yes. done yeah. every six weeks on a Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Right? And, yeah. and that wasn't always part of right. the tradition, yeah. but it certainly is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. So then becomes that long process of rebuilding. And I do think that it would be great if we had a blueprint, right? Right. A a really concrete, like, this is what you're going to do and this is the way we're going to build this. That's the hard part is Mm -hmm. we all learn as we go. Yeah. Because you're the expert on yours and what worked for you, just as your listeners are the expert on theirs. And And Eric's the expert on him. And we're not the same. No. The two of us aren't even close to the same. So there is no blueprint to how to do that. But that's that long process of rebuilding. And there's times that you try something and it doesn't work and you got to tear down a wall again. Mm -hmm. And just say, you know, this isn't going to work. 
Mm-hmm. For those who have never watched one of these shows, the big day comes when they reveal. Yes, the big reveal. Yes. And the, the you know, truck is moved or the big I have to say, are... in my initial days of grieving, when I yeah. was home not working, mm-hmm. I watched a lot of HGTV. Okay. So I'm yeah. totally with you there. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a good thing to do if you really... It's recuperating. <laughs> yes, it is. It really is. And I think maybe because there is the beginning the ugly the middle the raw stuff and then the end right there's movement and I think that is why we do want to encourage people and I believe that you've been so encouraging because people saw your beginning and they've been with you through the middle and they're seeing you know what's coming like it's just encouraging to see that we don't have to stay here and that's what I kind of want to talk about is that reveal what does that look like Mm -hmm. right they don't necessarily have to be big, huge things. No. Yeah. I, I Before we go into that, I do want to caution about what I call crusading. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've talked about that before. I, I, I reference it in your grief guide as to one of the obstacles that we can have in grief is we get so focused on changing the world yes. or changing a law mm-hmm. and a lot of laws. I mean, even if you look at an Amber Alert, that came out of pain, right? Mm-hmm. Their daughter was kidnapped. They wanted, you know, to get the word out. Now we have Amber Alerts. Um, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, you have different laws that ha- become because mm-hmm. a mom or a dad and both of them got out there and said, because this happened to our child, we want to make sure that it doesn't happen to somebody right, else. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. I know a mom who is trying to get a law, and I don't know where it's at right now in our state, but party buses. They mm-hmm. you know, allow kids to drink on the party bus. They stop at certain places and they get off, and then they all get back on and go to the next bar or club or whatever. Her child was left behind, and he died. And there was no one there, but the bus took off. Where's the responsibility to, you know... Mm-hmm. There's so many ways that people can change the world. Right. For good, but it doesn't have to be. I, like, I had people say to me, more than one person say to me, you should. <laughs> oh, there they are. Okay. Yeah, you should work on laws against distracted driving. Okay. You yeah. should do that. My friend has been working with the legislature on that. You should do that. Mm-hmm. Because clearly the woman that hit us was distracted. I mean, right, yeah. she had to have been. I, I will never know what she was doing. But, I mean, you can't be traveling at 55 mile an hour when everyone else is going slower because it's construction. And you're going in an exit lane where everyone's going like 15 and not notice. Mm-hmm. She was clearly distracted. Right. right. She was not paying attention. So, but people just felt like that should be my calling. Right. And I had no desire to do yeah. that. None. That's somebody else's. Somebody else (laughs) has that desire. And you're right. She Mm -hmm. 100% shouldn't have been distracted. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I I wish she wasn't. I don't know that changing the law actually would have made her less distracted. She wasn't on her phone. She was probably talking to her son, whatever. You can't forbid talking in the car. I mean, Mm -hmm. but my point is, is that just because it's someone's crusade, it doesn't have to be yours. Exactly. <laughs> and you don't shouldn't feel this obligation yeah. to do that. To right. you know, make a law and yeah, all of that. Exactly. Right? And one of the things that happened recently, she's been a guest on your show a couple of times. She's a close friend of yours, Stephanie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Kian's yeah. mom. 
she was a few years out in her grief and her and I were having a phone call about something totally different. And somewhere in the middle of that phone call, she said, well, I have this dream. And then she went on to something else. Well, I brought her back to the dream. And I just said at the end of the call, can I ask you something else before we hang up? I said, you know, you mentioned you had a dream. I said, does that have anything to do with grief? She said, how'd you know? said, I've been around a lot of her people. You know, when you have a dream, like something's been planted on you. And I didn't know what it was for her. And her original dream was she would love to do something for couples. Mm-hmm. Like a couple's I, I was weekend. Say, as soon as you said, Stephanie has a dream, I was like, I know that dream. Yeah, exactly. Because she's told me the dream. Yeah. So, but from there, her and I had the conversation of, would you ever consider working in grief work? And with her experience it, that she had professionally before all of this, we began a conversation and talking, and now she's a program director at Starlight Ministries and helping so many people. Yeah. Now, when her daughter first died, did she like have that as her ultimate goal? Like, I'm going to direct and work in a program for bereaved people? I mean, not in a million years, no. right? I was in grief group with her. Right. I mean, she had, I think, done one six-week session before me, but yeah. I mean, and she was a year further along in her grief, but she didn't start at right. Starlight as crazy early as I started right frankly I mean she started at a more normal time honestly so I know that wasn't in her head and it's amazing to see actually where the two of us are today yeah compared to where we were two and a half years ago and then it leads me to oftentimes it is helping someone else go through this mm-hmm. in some, and that is absolutely what your podcast does. And all your listeners, if they had a bell right now and we could hear them all ringing their bell, like, yay, yay, yay. They know that this is helpful. So you are helping people. And that would have never, ever crossed my mind at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I just felt lost and broken. And I showed up, what, 22 days after Andy died at the first grief support group Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what else to do Do. yeah I mean really it wasn't like Mm -hmm. I I just was like I have no idea what to do so I might Mm -hmm. as well try this yeah and that's the thing when you're at the beginning you don't even you don't know anything right about what's going on you can't even think at all about going to the purpose right the wonder yes absolutely it's like so far yeah and your reach is is big. I mean, you know, we have international listeners, but I want to talk to the people who maybe your reach, it doesn't have to be big. No. You know, the song Little Is Much When God Is In It. One of my favorite four-part harmony gospel groups, Ernie Haas and the Signature Sound Quartet. They Okay, never heard of that. Okay, well, they're they're really (laughs) down-home Southern (laughs) four-part, you know, male (laughs) hymns and gospel. But they do this song, Little Is Much When God Is In It. And he was telling a story and introducing the song. And he said, well, as a performer, after they do a concert, a lot of singers come up to them. And he said, here was a woman waiting to talk to him. And he could just tell that he said, you're a singer, aren't you? And she said, yes. And he said, it's never really, you haven't really gotten that break you're looking for. And she said, no, I haven't. And he saw a lot of children running around her. And he said, do you have children? And she said, yes, five of them. And he said, do you sing to your children? She said, every night before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? God's calling you to an audience of five. Yeah. You know, little is much when God is in it. So you might not, the listeners might not ever start a podcast, work full time as a program director in a grief ministry, but one mom, one other person that they talk to, write a card or a note to, reach out, make it their neighborhood. So I, I live in a small town. We have about 3000 people and um, we had a, 
a death, a tragic death, and it's talking to the mom. And she said, did you know about four or five other moms in our small community who maybe it had been years ago reached out to me saying, we never wanted you to be part of our club, but Mm -hmm. we're here. And right away, those women touched her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because they know and they understand. So that small little town has those women making meaning by reaching out to newly bereaved moms. Well, and I think, too, I told this story now a couple of episodes ago that on the on Andy's birthday, I was behind at the pickup line in the at the school to pick up Peter. And there was a woman who had on her back window a little decal that said her son's name, the date of birth, the date of death, and then underneath it said heroin kills. And I I parked my car. I got out of my car. I walked up to her and I said, my son should be 17 today. Your little sign in your car made me feel less alone. Oh, wow. And... And she said, yep, you're never alone. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for telling me. Yeah. Because you know what? In that moment, she didn't feel less alone either. Right. She doesn't know that I have a podcast and that I talk to all these people. I didn't tell her about my podcast. (laughs) What I wanted her to know is that her little decal Uh that she put up in memory of her son touched me today. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that made a difference in that day because that was a very painful day to me. So that was a tiny thing. And I don't know what else she does in her life. Right. I have no idea. Yeah. She may do a ton. She may only have the decal on the back window of Mm -hmm. her car. But if it's just the decal, that's enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you said about she doesn't know all the things about you. Sometimes we don't know how we touch people. Right. right. And so if you feel called to send a note or a card or be an encourager or even in the work that I do professionally, I don't always know if it's helpful or, if, you know, we just yeah. we trust. I don't get to always see the growth. Mm-hmm. But when I do, it's so beautiful. So as I had, I told you that HGTV speech was from several years ago in preparing for it. This is no joke. I had in the preparing, I had gotten a Facebook message from a young man who I had met years ago when his mother died and she died and there were a lot of young kids in the family. He was the youngest. I worked with the family, but they were in the depths of their pain and I ended up moving from that town. I never knew what happened to them. Mm -hmm. So this is, and the message that he sent me on messenger. He said, dear Gwen, I met you in 1987 after my mom died. You had such a huge impact on my life. I just wanted you to know I needed and appreciated your care for me all those years ago. But then he went on to say, I'm a hospice chaplain. Loving, grieving people is something I deeply understand. That's what he said. And he and I'm like, there it is. That yeah. from the mess to the masterpiece, from the yeah. the raw, I saw him in the demo stages to the reveal. And I was so happy to get that reveal and to know that he, loving, grieving people is something I deeply understand. That's so beautiful. Well, that's beautiful. And what a blessing to you to get that at that moment. Right. Oh, when that you was working huge. on yeah. it. I mean, wow. Yeah. So we don't know that someone you encourage could 30 years, I mean, you know, 1987 was 34 years ago and I got this a couple years. So it was at least 30 years yeah. after the fact that, you know, I got to see 
where he is now. I have no idea. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. So I kind of look at this along the lines of, well, I have a couple of concepts. One is, and I've mentioned this probably before, because I say this line a lot, we do get to the point that we don't concentrate on what's gone forever, like what's the past. Mm-hmm. But what do I do with what do I do left? Now? Yeah. What do I do? What with do what's I left? do with what's left? I love that. Yeah. And you know, in the the grief guide, I actually have a handout that encourages people to look at your assets, which are your positive characteristics and your liabilities, a little mm-hmm. bit on the negative, but we don't have to focus on that. But then we have short term and long term mm-hmm. goals for both of those. And what you know, what what goals could I set? that maybe I could help others, mm-hmm. that I can grow through this or start some kind of new th- pattern that's helpful. Yeah, I mean, I remember ha- having that very thought. It was actually when I was interviewing Stephanie for episode number two or whatever that was. Yeah. I can't remember if you were yeah. two and she was three or you were three and she was two. I remember okay. those were my first three. And she was talking about going to a bereaved parent event and they had to do that. They had to like define themselves. And that really caused me to think. Yeah. To define myself and who am I? Who am I? Yeah. Right? Because I was so thinking at that moment about who I was not anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am no longer a mother with three biological children. Yeah. I was no longer a practicing pediatrician. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was really focused on the things I was not. Yeah. So that forced me to think, well, what am I and who am I? And that's when I decided you are a caregiver, Mm. right? I really enjoy caring for people. Mm Caring for families. Yeah. This is why I became a pediatrician mm-hmm. because I love caring for families. Yeah. I love teaching parents how to raise their kids. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, I love raising my own kids. Mm-hmm. You know, my patients hear about my kids because right. I so love being a mother that I thought that's what it boils down to. That's oh. what I am. Yeah. And then that's when I started thinking about. How in my grief can I be a caregiver? Caregiver. That is beautiful. And that's when I realized that for me, the podcast was the way for me to be a caregiver to many more people. And again, like you said, if, I mean, if two people listened Mm -hmm. or 20 or 200 or 2000, it didn't matter really. Mm -hmm. What mattered was me trying to give care to people. Right. And different people have different skills and different abilities. I think back to some of my very first guests. I had one mom that would, in her daughter's memory, decorate rocks and leave limbs oh, in yes. different places. Yeah. And she would know that that would bring joy to people. And that yeah. was just a tiny little thing that Absolutely. she did. I love that example. Yeah. And I have another example of a mom whose daughter had son actually had cancer and they um had spent so many many months in the hospital and they would get gift cards to starbucks Mm -hmm. and to different things and so now she will drop off little five dollar starbucks gift cards to Mm -hmm. the hospital right yeah just to hand out to parents oh and it's a little thing that she does 
every once in a while, mm-hmm. bringing in five gift cards, mm-hmm. knowing that she is going to give a little bit of joy yeah. and a cup of coffee to five different families. Yeah. Right? And and it's not huge. It's not a podcast. Yeah. It's just her way to touch those little families that are going mm-hmm. through a struggle at that moment. And I love that example because I often tell people, think back to what helped you. Yeah. And, and go and do that. Go yeah. and do likewise, you know. So that's what she did. That's she thought exactly. back mm-hmm. to what was good for me. And the rest of the world doesn't know that. Right. And what she <laughs> thought about was that when she was going through procedures and sitting in that hospital room, mm-hmm. all she really wanted was a good cup of coffee. Coffee, yeah. Right? The, not the crud coffee that they just have at the hospital That's that been she on could all get day. for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She wanted a good cup of coffee, yeah. and that made her feel just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So this way she could be like, okay, I'm going to make some people's day just right. a little bit better who that just wanted awesome. a good cup of coffee. Yeah, and it can be, I mean, and it doesn't always have to be grief related either you know and but that bringing joy and that's one of the things we know that does broaden the range in which we cope is showing gratitude being kind you know smiling for someone even helps so it's going outside of yourself and saying I have something to offer like um and Doug Smith he did uh, does some grief work and he his theory about how to heal or his three points were you have what it takes there is no cure but you do heal and the last one is whatever your strengths are, that's going to be what helps you. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what you did by saying, who am I? I am a caregiver. And your next comment was, how can I, in my grief, care for people? So yes. you used your strengths. Mm-hmm. You've got what it takes. And you are healing. You're not cured. I, I mean, you're no, not. No, you're always. But yeah. it did tremendously help heal me Mm -hmm. I mean this has given me so much healing and I know other people talk about how it's helpful it's been to them I have had so many people say that right but it's helped me as much or more exactly for sure and that goes back to the whole thing we started with it translates to purpose Mm -hmm. and I have also let's just say people at work sort of think it's crazy (laughs) that I in, in some ways right on my days off oh I talk to moms and dads whose kids have died. Right. True. Does not seem like it would be an uplifting experience. Yeah, exactly. They're kind of like, you do that on your days when you're not here listening mm-hmm. to complaining parents. Right. And hearing crying children, you now on your days off. <laughs> talk to her. Talk to people who are grieving and crying and going through yeah. the worst moments of their life. So you're not getting that a seems, massage. That seems a little, I mean, I do get my hair cut okay, every yeah, six weeks, but, right. um, but, um, yeah, a lot of people mm-hmm. think that's a little strange, yeah. but for me, right. Oh, we get to hear my clock. Normally oh. I remember to turn the yeah. clock off. We just now got you so hear, into the conversation. Now you can hear my beautiful um, clock. This is my Andy clock actually given to my, given to me by my family in memory of Andy. So I love hearing that every hour. So. Mm, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So the other concept I was thinking about is the darkness of uh, like relating it to a seed being planted. Mm-hmm. That when a seed is planted, it is dark. It's in a hole by itself. It's covered up if it's stomped on, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how bereaved people feel. You're in that dark, cold hole and, you know, and we feel like we're always going to stay there. Mm-hmm. But once supported, nurtured, watered, the plant appears, right? Yeah. The growth comes. 
Yep. And then you can see a little bit of sunlight. Yes. And then it's warm. And there is that new growth, the beauty. So I do want people to see it is a process, but the end result, most of the time, Mm -hmm. I I would say about 90% of bereaved people actually get to the point. There's the 10% where it becomes disabling and they have that. But I mean, for the average person listening, there's that hope that I'm not always going to stay in this dark place. Well, I love your seed example too, because I even think when you are that plant and now you've gone through the surface and now you have some days where you have the sun, mm-hmm. you also have days where you feel the torrential downpour. Right. And even though you need the rain and the rain will help you, at the moment, you look at those little plants and they look all wilted right. and sad. And it's risky. Because they've been, you know, pounded by the rain. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think, I mean, I was like, wow, that example can go on and it on. It can, yeah. To, to a beautiful right. thing. And I have to give credit for that example to, from a bereaved mom. Um, and she could be, there's an idea for a show, because um, she started Camp Anew, Ginger Wolfus, after her son died. Mm-hmm. And she said sometimes she looks at bereaved people and thinks, oh, someday I'm just going to water you and nurture you because someday you're going to blossom. And so she, you know, she was the first person to share that example. When I look at kids sometimes who are bereaved in our, in my work, I can get very sad. I mean, it's yeah. very discouraging. But some, I have taken this new growth mindset to say someday they might be the next director of Starlight Ministries. Right. They might be the next person who does amazing things. And I just get excited and about that. And as a hospice chaplain or yes, whatever. exactly. Right? Right? Yeah. You have that no idea. touching lives and loving, grieving people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think back to, you know, when I said that some of my coworkers think that I'm sort of crazy for doing this, I see such beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Right? You hear the story. I'm going to oh. use Carly's mom as an example. I just mm-hmm. recently had Carly's mom on. And Carly's mom, that death of having your daughter overdose in heroin and just left to die mm-hmm. is one of the saddest, if not the saddest, that I heard, mm-hmm. really. I mean, to have someone knowingly leave your child to mm-hmm. die is horrific. Mm-hmm. But... You listen to her talk now, eight years later. I was going to say, I was going to remind people it's been eight years. It was beautiful. Yeah. And she uplifted me in a way that I wouldn't have believed, right? right? I remember starting to read her story because she emailed me and she started with the story and I thought, oh, that's dark. (laughs) Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. And then she started writing more and about all of these encouraging, beautiful things. And I thought, wow, this is the perfect woman to have on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because going to where she was, mm-hmm. to where she mm-hmm. is, and having other people be able to see that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't it? Right? Yeah. And it. I know it's been eight years, so... It's not like it it happens the next day. Right. Certainly, but Yeah. Whoa. Mhm. Mm-hmm. It it is. And that's so why beautiful. that's why I could say to my partners and and the nursing yeah. staff and whatever, you don't understand how encouraging, how encouraging this right. is for me. You have no idea because sometimes I am talking to people who are new. 
yeah. and who are still in the depths. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one giving them the encouragement. encouragement. But then other times I'm talking to people that are far down the road further yeah. than me and are offering me encouragement. Isn't that beautiful? It's just, it is. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. beautiful and so amazing. And I can't think of anything I'd rather do on my days. Right. That's so beautiful. You know, it's interesting that you said that about how far people can come in the fact that I remember a bereaved mom, her daughter died. She was in high school and that mom and I were connected. I mean, we, I worked with her a lot. I mean, she knew me, she came to groups, we were one-on-one, she'd stop by my office because it was really close to her work and she'd come right in and just broken. Mm -hmm. And several years had gone by, I'm going to say 10 or 12. And another death in that community happened. And it was at the funeral home that I worked at. And so I came out of my office and stepped out and, and I saw this bereaved mom. And I went up to her and because she's, you know, in my office space. And I said, how are you? And um, we started chatting, but I could tell she didn't recognize me. And I thought, oh, my word. And I I just got this big, like, laughter, smile, um, weird, you know, expression. And I said, you've come so far, you don't know who I am. And she said, could you remind me? And I said, well, my name is Gwen, and you used to come in here. And I said, my space was over there. And she said, oh, yeah, that was so helpful. But she, I had to recall it for her. And I, you could be offended. I mean, I could be like, oh, you know, I, she doesn't remember all the time I invested. I looked at that. And I tell bereaved people now that if you, when they say, oh, you've been so helpful, this has been so great. There's going to come a point where you might not even remember me. And that, my friend, is success and growth in my book. <laughs> well, I'm glad you feel that way. I can I tell do. you, I can't imagine not remembering you. <laughs> well, I, it, I it happened. I, I tell you, I have such a memory of the very first conversation I had with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I will never, I can never imagine that I would forget that. <laughs> Just because it took so much, really, your, to use your word, bravery, Yeah, for me to dial that phone. Right. I mean, I was sitting oh. on my bed by myself. I imagine Eric was probably downstairs crying. I don't know. It was, it mm-hmm. was so, so, so early. so early. I think it was the day after Andy's funeral. I believe so. Pretty sure. Maybe two days after Andy's funeral. No, I think it was the day after Andy's funeral. Yeah. Maybe even before. I don't right. know. But I remember just staring at this number and this name, Gwen, Starlight Ministries, Gwen, the phone number. And just staring at it and thinking, well, that funeral director told me that she's going to be great and that I really need to call her. And he seemed <laughs> so insistent on the fact that I needed to call her. So I did. And it was, yeah. I mean, it was life-changing for mm-hmm. me but when people hear that they probably think oh well she's you know she's a social worker she you know what none of those things qualify me I, in my book when people are interviewed of what they want in a counselor mm-hmm. it is trust humility genuineness authenticity I mean just the list nothing about a degree nothing about how much jargon you talk or how big how many big words you strew together So I don't want people to listen and think that they can't make the same impact that I made on you without it being their job. 
Right. 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 You, right. They have what it takes. I always tell people the things that make you qualified are your willingness to enter their world, that your pain did not scare me. Right. And you sense that when you came in the first time, like this is safe because she's not looking at me weird. Yes. <laughs> and I, I honestly love when people send me email messages in their pain. Yeah. I love that because again, doesn't freak me out. Right. Does not scare me. Mm-hmm. And I love to be able to help people yeah. in the way that you helped me. Right. I love to be able to be just a little kind of a bit of fresh water. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Just to be able to say, you're not alone. You're the waterer. You're you're watering the seed that's in the ground. I'm with you. Yeah. You're watering that seed that's buried in the ground. You're pouring that on and saying, we're going to give you enough support and enough nutrients that you will blossom from this. Mm-hmm. And and so people out there can do that. If they feel called right now to say, I, w- I want to help, and that's going to be their next thing. They're going to type you know, an email to you or I and say, how do I do that? Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that presence. And if, you're, and if it's a day that you need help, just ask. Yeah. Just yeah, ask. Absolutely. Because someday you will be the helper. Mm-hmm. You oh, will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you doesn't feel like it. Yeah. I, that day I called you, never in a million years would I have guessed I could be you to someone else. Right. And I know I have and You met, are. Yeah. But I would never have dreamt of it. I was calling in the depths of my pain, yeah. desperate mm-hmm. for just a glimpse of that it might not always be this bad. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are here for each other to do. Exactly. So you ask today Mm -hmm. and two, three, four, eight, ten Mm -hmm. years from now, you can be that person giving it back. Absolutely. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. And so many of the women that I talk to and men that I talk to want to be that for other people now. The Mm -hmm. ones that are down the road, Carly's mom... She wants to be that yeah. for yeah. someone right now. Yeah, She needed it then. And she said to me, oh, why wasn't your podcast around eight years ago? Yeah. I so needed it eight years mm-hmm. ago. And and although she still listens now to right. everyone, but I think now she's in a place where she can offer. Right. And she can use that and tell her story. And you've given a voice to a lot of people too, and being able to tell their story. You know, it'd be interesting to have your listeners even write in and what they've seen the meaning Yes. You know, their growth or what they've done or, you know, just what yes. they feel called to. That yes. would be really fun. Oh, and maybe that would we be awesome. That up. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be that, great to do yeah. a whole it's thing It's our reveal. That. Right. Yeah. Right. Our we reveal. Could do, yes. Like, here's some beautiful stories that we can share. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. So write in. That's That was just spontaneous by Gwen now, but <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah. Um, I think the, you know, not that we have to close, but I do want to come back to the concept of the restoration. And these are not my words, but I've heard it said that if our greatest need had been knowledge or information, um, God would have sent a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And if our greatest need had been finances, he certainly would have sent an economist, (laughs) right? But our greatest need is forgiveness and restoration. Mm -hmm. So for that, he sent a savior. Mm -hmm. But the part about that is the the savior savior it's that ultimate restoration of getting rid of the old and making it new mm-hmm. and so that new life that concept of we we 
have a healer whose job it is to heal. We have a deliverer whose job it is to deliver and that the old is gone and the new has come. Mm-hmm. And a servant, I think, to help yeah, others and right. be, be by your side. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hope your listeners are encouraged today. I th- I think they will be. Yeah. I'm encouraged. I'm going off uh, feeling great I'm about today. I'm excited to hear from them and just hear those stories of, yeah, I never dreamt I'd be able to do this or do that or give this or. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, please write in and thank you, Gwen, for oh, coming. Oh, you're welcome. And now I really look forward to the next one because yeah, I think too. we should talk about that. Sounds okay. great. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.